Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello everyone, good evening, thank you for joining us. Holy shit. <laughs> Better late than never, I guess. I'm so terribly sorry. So terribly, terribly sorry to have kept you waiting. What an what an awful, unprofessional thing to do. God, getting getting that pre-show sleep in never works out for me. First show back for 2020. He doesn't show up on time. Typical bloody Australian. Thank you for joining us. We'll get into it. <laughs> Skull. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for joining us on this another, well, the first 2020 edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you tonight. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. I know. I know. I did that move, man. I've been awake for like 15 minutes. I did that move where I've rolled over in bed. Like, the dog sleeps on the bed, so I've given the dog a pat. Hey, going, girl? Licks me on the face. I'm like, cool. I'm like, ah, doing a show today. Yay. Can't wait. It's been so long since I've streamed. I'm looking forward to getting back into it. Can't wait to get back into it. Look over, pick up the phone. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. No. And the first, I go into Twitter to say, sorry, everyone. I'll be, I'll be on in 15 minutes. And the first tweet I see is from Gypsy who says, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. Sorry to have kept you waiting. Yes, 2020, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to be back with you for another season, another year. How was Christmas? How was New Year's? How were the holidays? I hope they tweeted you well. I hope you enjoyed catching up with family and having arguments over the Christmas table. Over Christmas lunch, I certainly did. <sighs> so much to get through. Um, <clears throat> where do we get? See, now I'm all off kilter. I'm so rusty. It's been like two weeks. I'm, I'm so, I'm out of, I'm out of sync here. I don't know where I'm at. It might take us a little while to get going. I just, I did happen to pick up a bottle of Smart Juice on my way to the studio, though. Mm. So don't worry. Give me about 10 minutes or so and this should all kick in and we should all be back where, we sp where we're supposed to be. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to Patreon.com. I don't know why you would. I don't even fucking show up on time. But if, if regardless of that, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to Patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to complain about me being tardy, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. If you'd like to leave a tip during tonight's proceedings, there's a couple of ways you can do so. You can see the alerts popping up there. Amberlina, thank you very much for the lemon. Thank you for the ice creams. You can head to dlive.tv slash Boogie Bumper where you can watch the show live. You can also leave a tip by grabbing some lemons from the store, putting some lemons in my fruit bowl, or you can also, if you feel so inclined, you can see that link there. It's a new little fun thing that I've added during the holiday break. 
Streamlabs.com slash Boogie Bumper. You can uh, tip the show that way. Three bucks text to speech. Five bucks if you want to play a video or something. So you go to that link. You put in your put in your what have you, you know, your PayPal or whatever. If you want to leave a tip for the show, three bucks will get text to speech where a British version of Siri will read your message out to the audience. Or if you want to play a YouTube clip or something like that, you just put the URL in and when you want it to start and it'll play. So that should be fun. That'll be fun until somebody uh, gets the show banned off every platform by playing some video that they should not be sure they should not be playing. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> looking forward to getting kicked off. Um, still recuperating after last night. If you missed it last night, trust and verify myself and the flying Hawaiian James R. Uh, we had a discussion. We had a debate. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun about the recent military action in Iraq. Uh, there, is a, there is a clip I want to show you from the British news service, Channel 4, about that incident, which has just come out in the last 24 hours. So we'll go over that a little bit later, but I'm not going to labour on it. Um, I think, like, you know, the weekend is pretty much taken care of that issue. And I, I, I think I, you know, fairly enough got all of my thoughts out regarding that on Trust and Verify. So if you want to check that out, go to at TAV Show uh, on Twitter or TAVshow.com and you can watch a show last night. I went back and watched it. And, you know, like there was some parts I thought, yeah, that I, I did okay there. There was other parts where I was like, yeah, I didn't really make a good point there or I missed an, an opportunity to make a point here and there. But overall, I thought it was pretty good. Most people seemed to enjoy it. The Most of the responses I got back from people were like, even if they didn't agree with what I was saying, they still appreciated the discussion. A couple of people got in touch and said, uh, you're a, you're a, you're a sick Democrat and a terrorist sympathizer and I'm never listening to you again. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, see ya. I don't particularly care. Um, to be fair, it's been a while since I've been accused of being um, a leftist. It used, to ha- it used to be a regular occurrence on this show. People would just drop in, you know, come across a part where I'm being a bit sarcastic or making jokes about something and, and oh, who, the, who the fuck is this communist? So it actually felt like home to have 90% of the chat against me calling me a communist. So I love it. I wouldn't replace that for anything. So uh, if you'd like to see that discussion, head over to TAVshow.com. Myself and the Flying Hawaiian. Maybe you'll you'll hear something that you haven't heard. Maybe you'll pick up on something that you hadn't thought about. Uh, Maybe it'll confirm what you already believe or maybe you'll, you know, have reason to try to understand why you believe the things that you believe and that's all that we were going for so if you enjoy that kind of thing check it out see how you go easy come on easy come easy go says drew jackson's taint in the chat uh we've got lots to get through tonight i do want to give you a little update on what's happening down here a couple of people have been getting in touch and saying uh is your asshole on fire yet has your house burned down no you'll be pleased to know the only thing that I have to worry about, I'm, I'm really lucky where I am. The fires are about 45 minutes away. And the only thing that we have to worry about is breathing in the smoke. So we're getting away pretty lightly. We're getting away with it. We're pretty lucky. So I just want, I thought I'd share this video, which came out just before Christmas. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to The Daily Boogie. 
Uh, this little clip came out just before Christmas. I thought I'd show you just what these guys are dealing with. These heroes, these what? firefighters. So this is taken inside a fire truck on the way to a fire. Uh, these guys are next level. They often don't get the recognition that they deserve. And, you know, I think I think a lot of us, when you see these kinds of fires, nobody really understands the intensity of it. I don't think you can get it unless you're actually there fighting it. You know, when we think of a fire, we just think of something that's stagnant, something that's in its place and it's just burning. And, you know, firefighters talk about how quickly these fires spread. And I don't think you can really grasp what they mean. And then, so one of these firefighters has just had the phone on him and he's taken this video and, you know, this is one of the best examples. You can actually see what they mean when they talk about how fast these things move. You know, it's like Armageddon, this video. This is like the end of the world. When I watched this, I thought, are we all dying? What the fuck is going on? A lot of people are dying. A lot of animals are dying. So I'll let this roll. You can see exactly what these guys are dealing with out there fighting these fires. Watch 38 coming down. Fire's on the road already. Here it comes. So they're putting the heat retardant blanket up. Now watch, watch out the windshield. What's going on? The fire's just hitting the truck. Look at that move across the road. Wow. Isn't that something? Gee, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, there's people volunteer to do this, to fight these things. You have to be a special kind of person. And there's probably moments for a lot of Sydney-siders who aren't in the direct path of this fire. I know my wife and myself had this moment, you know, it was on Saturday night and we were complaining that the air conditioner wasn't working as well as it should. <laughs> we were sitting there watching a movie or something and I was like, yeah, this this air conditioner isn't really doing what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be a lot cooler than this. And we'll complain, oh, I guess I've got to clean the filters out. We might have to get a guy out to look at it. How awful, right? What an inconvenience. And then, you know, as we were sitting there, something just popped up on the news and it was like <laughs> images like this. It's like firefighters are fighting and there's people like, you know, getting kicked out of their homes. And we looked, we both looked at each other and thought, ah, oh, we're not doing too bad. We're okay. We should probably stop complaining about the air conditioner. You know what I mean? We should probably... Let that go while these people are suffering through this. So absolutely incredible stuff by these guys. Well done. Uh, that brings us to the next point that I wanted to make tonight. God bless the celebrities. Australia, I love you. Because more important than, you know, 
having some kind of empathy for your fellow man in the path of these most destructive fires in Australian history. More important than making any kind of real donation, whether it be, you know, cash or supplies or food or whatever it might be. More important than volunteering yourself. More, More important than having a plan. More important than taking care of your property. More important than any of that is to be lectured by the world's most beautiful, richest people from all the way over there in the United States. And, and I mean, look at these people. Aren't they just stunning? There's Meryl Streep's there, Kate Blanchett, Leo DiCaprio, all of the heavy hitters, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Brad Pitt was there. Jennifer Aniston, of course, had, had plenty to say on behalf of Russell Crowe. Uh, thank God for the celebrities is all I can say. Because without them, none of us would know. None of us would know the true extent, the true horror of what's taking place down here in the bush. None of us would really be able to comprehend the heart-wrenching reality of what's taking place down here with these most devastating fires. And nobody would know what the cause is. I hear that the Hollywood celebrities have done an investigation. They've hired some people to find the source of these fires and tell us exactly what's going on. Tell us what needs to be done. And I, I for one, am grateful for it. So let's have a look. Let's see what the, uh, the, best, the best people amongst us, you know, the top of the tree, the celebrities, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what they have to say about what's taking place down here in Australia. A room full of Hollywood's biggest names on a night notable for one that wasn't there. Yeah. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe was instead at his fire-affected farm in New South Wales, where the Golden Globe had a new home. Inside here we've got spare hoses, fire blankets, gloves, rest. Look at all my supplies. Look at those brand new gloves. Never been used, just in case. Spraders and all the stuff you need for fighting fires. The Australian winning for his role in The Loudest Voice, sending written words in his place. Make no mistake, the tragedy unfolding in Australia is climate change based. Um. (laughs) Uh. Hello. Uh, Can you hear me in the back? Okay. Make no mistake about it. The tragedy unfolding in Australia is climate change based. Based. (laughs) Based climate change. Climate change doesn't care how many koalas it murders. Mother Nature is based, man. Ellen DeGeneres acknowledging the crisis as well. Oh, good. Australia, I love you. My Thank heart you. Goes out we love you too, Ellen. To everyone who is suffering in Australia, all the animals that yep. we've lost. Earlier on Tinseltown's Golden Night. And the Who doesn't love a good red carpet event? Green dominated the red carpet. <laughs> good point in the chat from uh, Drew Jackson's chat. Finish, hey, thanks for joining us. At least Russell was okay. <laughs> I hear that the uh, people in Russell Crowe's town actually formed a human barricade to stop the fire from getting to Russell. He's a national treasure, as you can imagine. So we mustn't let anything happen to Russell. <laughs> Billowing sleeves, feathers, and chew. What the hell is that? What is going on here on the left? It's it's like a gay cowboy going to homecoming. 
How how many flamingos had to die to make those those arseless chaps? Jesus, what is going on there? Denmark. Jennifer Lopez wrapped in this Valentino gown. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez still looks twenty five. I don't know. I don't know what she's taking. Bows, another popular trend. And even a touch of Australiana. I'm wearing my little kangaroo to, you know, honour people and remind people to help in any way they can. <laughs> I'm wearing a little kangaroo to honour people and to remind people to help in any way they can. Thanks. Thanks for the thanks for the fashion help. Thanks for that help, by the way. Really appreciate the help. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Did you wear your little kangaroo? Oh, no. Everyone's going to die. Don't forget to put the little kangaroo on your dress. We want to make a dip. We're making a difference here. We're fighting a good fight. Inside, Ricky Gervais at his best. Let's have a laugh at your expense, shall we? Remember, they're just jokes. It's interesting, Ricky. I didn't watch it live, but I was getting, like, the Twitter updates from people. Um... I, th- I, I went and watched a couple of clips. I thought it was funny. You know, I laughed. <laughs> He's been doing the same kind of shtick for the last three years. But he did go, I think he went a little extra hard to uh, last night. I, I wonder personally if Ricky Gervais is yet another. Thank you for the diamond, why censored. I wonder if Ricky Gervais is yet another one of these people who have been how can I say, outwardly outwardly supportive of a number of progressive platforms over the last, say, 10 years, who now finds themselves, you know, being caught at that place where they're doing the same thing that they've always done, but they've promoted, you know, more and more, quote unquote, tolerance, more and more outrage, just soft promoted that kind of shit, soft promoted cancel culture over the last 10 years. And I think what's happening is a number of these people, so Ricky Gervais, uh, John Cleese, Piers from, you know, the UK, a whole bunch of these, you know, liberal celebrities who were a bit spicy in days gone past. I think they find themselves at a crossroads because they're now at the place where they realise that they've done the exact same thing, that they're, they're doing the exact same thing that they've always done. But where once people used to laugh along with their opinions and their jokes and their skits and whatnot, they're now finding themselves on the other side of the outrage culture. They're finding themselves on the side of the outrage culture, the same side where they have put a lot of people over the last 10 years and they don't like what they see. You know, while some of us were saying, no, if you keep promoting this stuff, if you keep going down this path, they're going to come after you too eventually. It was like, don't be ridiculous, you Nazi. Don't be ridiculous. I'm the good guy. I'm the good guy. Everybody likes my opinions. I'm safe. And they now find themselves being threatened by the very thing that they helped to promote. So they're just reinventing themselves. They're reimagining. They're adjusting. A friend of mine who I used to, well, I used to, I still do uh, the common discourse with the voice of reason, Adam J, used to talk about this a lot. Uh, the adjustment, 
That's what he called it, the adjustment. He said, don't worry, there will be an adjustment. As people start to, as the tolerance tank starts to run dry, as people's patience for this stuff... As people's... Thank you, Movie Time Blues. As people's patience for this stuff starts... Was that Movie Time Blues who left that? Sorry, I don't want to attribute the wrong... Tracy. Sorry, Tracy. Thank you. Tracy in the UK with a diamond. As as people's attitudes towards outrage and as people have been battered over the head for the last 10, 15, 20 years, you must not act this way. You must not think these things. You must not say these horrible words. People's tolerance for the outrage of that group in society has gotten to zero now. Now people say, fuck you. I don't like where this is going. And a lot of these people at the top of the tree, like Ricky Gervais, I think can identify that. And the self-preservation gene is starting to kick in. They finally get it because the guns are being pointed at them now. So it's an adjustment. They're not coming out and denouncing everything that they've previously said, but they're doing the whole, well, maybe we let things get a little bit too far and it's time to snap it back. So I think Ricky can, you know, he's going through this cycle now. He can see this readjustment happening because he knows that if he continues pushing the various progressive platforms that would see people like him banned for life from what he wants to do, that obviously there's no future in that. So he has to come back. He has to come back to all of those that he shunned previously. He has to come back to the the middle where people don't demand resignations, where people don't try to get people fired for telling jokes, where people don't try to ruin people's lives for saying things that they don't agree with. Because if he doesn't, he's finished too. So either way, you know, and I, I, I knew this would happen last night when I was seeing the updates. I thought to myself, tomorrow, people are going to be coming out tomorrow and they're going to be sharing this and they're going to be labeling, they're going to be putting Ricky Gervais up on a pedestal and saying, he's our new hero. You know what I mean? Thank you, Gypsy. They're going to be putting Ricky Gervais up on a pedestal and he's going to be the new conservative hero. All of these people are going to say, oh, look at Ricky. Ricky's going after Hollywood. He's going after the pedos. He's attacking them. He's he's going at them with both barrels. He should be the president, you know what I mean? Because we've been so starved of people just doing stuff like this, of just making these kinds of observations in public. We've been so starved of this kind of humour for so long that any time somebody even just goes there, even just even if it's just an adjustment, even if it's just for self-preservation purposes, we will we will put them up on a pedestal and they will become our new gods. You know what I mean? Thank you for coming. I'll see, see you in hell. Whereas once upon a time, this was the norm. There were a lot of comedians like this. There were a lot of performers who would go down these paths. But nowadays, they're few and far between. So anytime anybody gives us like, 
It's like if you're sitting at a bar and you you're you're a virgin male and you're sitting at a bar. You've never had any luck with the ladies in your entire life. No girl has ever wanted to look at you. No girl has ever wanted to sleep with you. You cannot you cannot pique the interest of any female on planet Earth. You are a disgusting, hideous hunchback of Notre Dame-like creature with zero personality and zero charisma. And you're sitting there at the bar and you're drowning your sorrows. And an attractive girl comes up next to you, looks at you and smiles. Oh my God, will you marry me? I love you. Thank you so much. I love you. You're the best ever. I've been waiting my whole life for you. And it's like, ooh, okay. Uh, I have to go. No, don't go away. Don't leave us. I've been waiting so long for this. Oh my God. I need you. I need you in my life. That's it's kind of the way that conservative Twitter is reacting to Ricky Gervais's performance last night. <laughs> do you get do you get what I'm saying? We've been we've been waiting so long. We're so desperate for somebody to say these things in public that as soon as somebody does, we just have to make we have to make them God. Wow, he's the best thing ever. And like I said, I thought it was funny, but I I knew the overreaction would happen. And the other thing is, I know that in a week from now or two weeks from now or a month from now or however long it's going to be, it, it, it however long it's going to be, it will happen. Ricky is going to come out and he's going to say something that you don't like. He's going to say something about stupid conservatives or stupid Donald Trump or, you know, racists. You evil bigots, you climate change deniers. He's going to say something that offends you and you're going to feel heartbroken. And then the same people who are pushing Ricky as, a, as our new God today will be saying, Ricky Gervais has betrayed his fans. <laughs> Ricky Gervais, after getting so popular at the Golden Globes has now gone on a rant and I, he's evil. What the hell is wrong with him? You can't trust these people. And it's like, no, he's just being the same guy that he always was. You made him into a false god and now he's just being his normal self. You will be disappointed yet again because you build it up so much. Trust me, it'll happen. When it happens, just try to act surprised. Oaks. We're all going to die soon, and there's no sequel. Elton John stumbling, Tom Hanks breaking down. Sorry. As the first awards. <laughs> I've, I've never got actors crying when they get awards. Oh, my God. <laughs> How can you believe them? <laughs> I just I just want to say that this is, this is the greatest honour of my entire life. Everyone's like, oh, he really means it. How can you believe it? This is what these people do for a living. The new year, the Globes are seen as part celebration, part signpost for what's to come with Oscar nominations just two weeks away. Margot Robbie mm. was pipped by Laura Dern for Best Supporting Actress. Boo! Oh, my love. Thank you all. Boo. Fuck you, Laura. Okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, the bushfires are to blame. This was a report that came out yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. Thought you'd be interested to see. The fire's destructive force was fast and furious. Fast now, and furious. investigation will soon be pouring over the devastated fire grounds all along the south coast. Vital work for the coroner 
who will probe all aspects of the fire. There's an enormous amount of work to prepare for the coroner, not just with uh, the burnt out buildings and structures, but also uh, clearly the deaths of, uh, of people that have occurred as a result of these fires. And a more sinister consideration, were the fires intentionally started? Police have formed Strike Force Indara. I d I, oh, don't you love a good operation name? Strike Force Indara. <laughs> The, 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 if you're going to get me on board with any kind of investigation, any kind of, uh, uh, any kind of authority-based, you know, investigation, a probe, any kind of push, you have to give it a sexy name. Strike Force Indara makes it seem like there's guys dressed up like SWAT teams ready to go. You know what I mean? Makes it seem like they've got special James Bond kind of cars ready to roll out of HQ. And it's like, let's go, let's go check out Strike Force Indara. And it's just like a couple of nerdy people sitting behind a desk pushing papers. <laughs> I like it, Strike Force Indara. Let's get these fuckers. Comprising detectives from homicide and arson squads. Nice. Plus drawing on insights from officers with local knowledge who will lead the work. We'll make available any other specialist resources in terms of our forensic services group and other criminal investigators. Arson squad detectives are also part of this strike force responsible for tracking down firebugs known to be responsible for lighting deliberately lit fires like this one at South Taramara last November. Part of their charter is also proactive, knocking on the doors of known arsonists when conditions get this bad to prevent them from getting up to no good. While seven years... <laughs> getting up to no good. <laughs> you scallywags. It's like Dennis the Menace. This has been told early indications are that the South Coast fires were more likely started by lightning. Troublemakers are still active. Troublemakers. Police allegedly catching a looter who targeted an evacuated home in Batlow. So <clears throat> it appears as though the majority of these fires, ladies and gentlemen, were not climate change based. There's around 200 people who have been arrested already over suspicion of deliberately lighting these fires. Saw an interesting thought the other day on Twitter. I can't remember who put it out, so apologies. But it's worth repeating. Um, we've seen the rise of increasingly edgy environmentalists, right? Increasingly edgy environmental actions. Extinction Rebellion, for example, they're just one of them. There's a whole bunch of these you know, hardcore eco-action kind of squads. And we know, we've heard the quotes from these people before. They're not paying attention to us. We need to be more extreme. We've tried protesting, nobody listens. We've signed petitions, nobody listens. We stop traffic in cities, nobody listens. We need to ramp it up. So I just wonder if it's on the table. I mean, it's got to be on the table. Is it at all a possibility that there are people going around lighting these fires deliberately so they can blame climate change? Wouldn't fucking surprise me. You know, not that long ago, you would say, that's crazy. Nobody's going to do that. No, nobody's going to put their fellow countrymen's lives at risk in order to promote climate change theory. That's not going to happen. 
But just like the Ricky Gervais effect, what they have been softly promoting over the last 10 years is in many cases becoming like Frankenstein's monster. People through their inability to denounce increasing extremism, whether it be in thought control or pseudoscience or justification for action which wouldn't have existed previously. Because as a society, we have failed to put a stop to it back then. The kids that are coming up now are increasingly empowered. You know, when you see somebody on the news and they do something really awful and you say to yourself, how could this person do this? And, you know, people will say, oh, that kid should have got spanked when it was younger. That kid should have had his ass kicked. That's what happens when you grow up and everybody tells you what a wonderful, you know, beautiful little soul you are. and Nobody ever criticizes you. You grow into that. I think the same sort of thing applies here. Potentially. And so if it does turn out, you know, people here are talking about, oh, we need to kick out the government. The prime minister's got to get sacked, which I think is all a bit ridiculous considering we had an election about six months ago. He's not going anywhere. He's not getting the sack. But they're trying. They're trying. You you actually have to step back and look at the gross reality of it. We could potentially be looking at the most destructive, devastating fires in Australian history. Half a billion animals killed, which could have been started by people doing it in order to promote climate change theory. And whilst that is going on, the politicians who also push climate change theory, demanding that the current government, which they lost to in embarrassing fashion only six months ago, be removed from office, be kicked out. Once you you step back and see it for what it is, you can see how sick it is, how disgusting it is, right? And, And these are the good guys. These, these are the good people amongst us. These are the empathetic ones. These are the people who believe in science. Give me a break. Potentially. Allegedly. And I think if that does come out, if it does end up being that way, that these were deliberately lit for the purpose of promoting climate change theory, I'm not sure... I'm not sure if the anger coming back at these people will be able to be controlled. I'm not sure if the rage directed at those who lit these fires, if it is proven to be, I'm not sure the rage that will be directed at that entire movement will be able to be tapped, will be able to be controlled. Because progressive politics in this country, ladies and gentlemen, is already on life support. We had people after the last election when the Labor Party lost the unlosable election in embarrassing fashion. We had people on that side of the political aisle saying that this is the death of progressive politics. We cannot recover from this. Australians have rejected our platform from top to bottom. They don't want us. They themselves were saying this. Their opponents weren't saying it. They were saying it. 
So if it comes out that this is another yet another protest action gone wrong, another stage of the increasing protest world, then I, I don't know what's going to happen to these people, honestly. It, it, it could be the end. <laughs> I don't think people are going to be able to restrain their anger should that turn out to be the case. But we'll see what happens. I want to share this video with you. <laughs> this is a fun one. This was uh, the day after Christmas, the Boxing Day sales. As you know, people do turn into, maybe we deserve all this. People turn into ravenous animals whenever there is a 20% discount on something, on some trinket that they don't need. So people, a supermarket here in, in a place called Parramatta, they ran this little promo. So they put, they filled all of these balloons with prizes and put them on the roof of this mall, right? A, a shopping centre, a mall. And they were going to release the balloons for all of the people underneath. And if you got a balloon, you got a prize, you got a free thing. I don't even know what it was. It was probably a keychain or something. Something that nobody would otherwise go out of their way to even look at. <laughs> I, I don't know how this kind of stuff happens, honestly. People are mindless animals. So have a look at this. Have a look at what was happening at this mall, at this mall, the day after Christmas. Or was it the day after Christmas? I think it was Christmas Eve, actually. People trying to get free shit. If you don't think that people will react without thinking whenever anybody offers them free shit, guess again. Have a look at this. Well, it was a stunt meant to keep the excitement going in the middle of a Christmas shopping marathon at Westfield Parramatta. Instead, dozens were injured when they were caught up in a stampede, <laughs> rushing to grab a stampede balloons filled with prizes. A festive giveaway turned human stampede. Look at these people, man. <laughs> You're going to get crushed to death. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I've had my eye on that gift voucher all year. That $20 prize, I cannot live without. It is worth risking the life of myself and my child. I'm going in there. It must be done. While firefighters, ladies and gentlemen, volunteer firefighters are driving headfirst into Armageddon, we are concerning ourselves with grabbing balloons that drop from ceilings, risking our lives and our livelihoods in order to get some $20 trinket that the, the store would throw in the garbage if you didn't take it for, off their hands. What the fuck is wrong with us? <laughs> Look at these fucking people. Injured when they were caught up in a stampede, rushing to grab balloons filled with prizes. A festive giveaway turned human stampede. I love the little touch. If you look here, you can see down here in the bottom right hand, ladies and gentlemen, just behind that, like that gold thing at the bottom there, Santa's there. Can you see Santa from the top down? Santa gets the fuck out of the way very quickly. Ho, ho, holy shit! Stampede. 
A tide of late night shoppers oh, surged towards balloons filled with. I think he and I think he ended up in a fountain. Did Santa? He takes he takes that big display cabinet. I don't know what's in it. It looks heavy though. He takes that uh, big display cabinet right in the face. Isn't it great? Jeez. A tide of late night shoppers surged towards balloons filled with free vouchers. Many are crushed, others flung into a Christmas set. Santa (laughs) himself becoming collateral damage. (laughs) Santa becoming... (laughs) People are like, run, Santa! Save yourself! Santa became collateral damage. Don't you love the language used? Fuck Santa. (laughs) I'm getting this voucher. I don't care who stands in my way. Santa, Jesus, I don't give a fuck. I'm getting that voucher. Lots of screaming. Screaming. Um, yeah, it was just pretty crazy. Pretty the event all part of Parramatta Westfield's 33-hour shopping marathon. Around midnight, hundreds crammed under a canopy. See, this is the other thing. It's not like it was 10 a.m. <laughs> it's the middle of the night. It's midnight. You know, at midnight on Christmas Eve, other people like, you know, husbands and wives are wrapping presents for their children. They're preparing, you know, they're putting milk and cookies out for Santa, some carrots for the reindeer, trying to be really quiet while you put that bike together to make sure that little Jimmy doesn't hear the sounds of the chain going on the wheel, you know what I mean? Shh, 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 just be quiet. Where's my spanner? How do I put a, how do I put a ribbon on a bicycle? How's this going to work? Well, people, you know, the adults are enjoying maybe a nice glass of wine or eggnog even sitting in front of the fire, you know, making preparations for Christmas lunch the next day, just enjoying each other's company. Maybe you're a religious person. Maybe you're at church at midnight mass celebrating the birth of Christ. While all of these things are going on in the rest of the world, these people, I I would go so far as to say, the unevolved. <laughs> uh, they have been led to a, a mall in the middle of the night at midnight on the promise that if they risk their life, they may get a free $20 shopping voucher. Hey, whatever floats your boat, right? ...of golden balloons, but as they rained down, all hell broke loose. Hell. <laughs> it was hell out there. It's like I'm, I'm picturing, I'm picturing like you know, returning servicemen coming back from Vietnam. Oh, I just don't want to talk about it. It was like hell out there. There were so many young people. So many guys didn't know that they were walking into. We were young. We thought we were indestructible. We didn't know. We went into the movie. We went into the mall. At 11.45. And a lot of us came out losing part of ourselves. We were changed men. We didn't know what was waiting around the corner. It was hell. (laughs) (sighs) Screams of excitement... Turning to terror. Get up, get up, get up. 
terror. There was kids as well trapped in there and like I knew I know that people were passing kids out of the place. It definitely could have been uh, potentially critical uh, for a small child who, who was trampled by a number of adults. Paramedics. Oh yeah, I wouldn't want to be trampled by that thing either. Holy shit. Preaching a she, see, see the girl, the big girl protecting Santa. Uh, for a small child who, who was trampled by a number of adults. See, <laughs> look at Santa hiding behind this woman. <laughs> that must be Santa's muscle. <laughs> Don't worry, Santa. Get behind me. I've got this. <laughs> I've been training for this my whole life. <laughs> Paramedics treating a total of 12 shoppers, five taken to hospital. Fucking the hell. staff that were here last night were literally pulling people in from the crowd. Despite the mayhem, the frantic grab for freebies was relentless. People were just going crazy, yelling, fighting over these balloons, literally like there was a million dollars in each of these balloons. The balloons were filled with a wide variety of gift cards and vouchers aimed at keeping shoppers going all night long. All night long. Shopkeepers here say that some of the prizes were worth as little. <laughs> Ducks region is in the chat. I love the smell of bath and body works and blood in the morning. <laughs> as $5. What was meant to be a fun promotion, now a PR nightmare. In a statement, Westfield said our team... I should laugh, but I find this funny. Yeah, Is it wrong to laugh at these people? Is it wrong to laugh at these people putting themselves in harm's way for a free gift fucking card? I th I don't think it's wrong. Fuck them. <laughs> but but people had to go to hospital. Like, yep, that'll learn you. That'll learn you. Don't be don't be such a fucking don't be such a money grubbing tight ass next time. You know what I mean? Go out and buy something for twenty dollars. Don't don't get into a stampede. It's not like the running of the bulls, you know. It's not like a life experience you have to do. I wonder, like, honest, honest question, right? And don't get me wrong. I don't like that everybody, you know, defaults to legality. I don't like that we've become a really litigious society. I hate that. But I wouldn't be surprised like this. How could this possibly happen? You know what I mean? Like, who's in charge? Who's in charge here? Who's responsible for this? Like, surely at some point, somebody in the management of this supermarket or this shopping mall must have turned around and said, sorry, I'm sorry, what are you planning to do on New Year's Eve? Well, sir, we had this tremendous idea. We're going to fill balloons with free gift vouchers and get hundreds of people to congregate in a very small space and have them fight over the balloons. Um... I'm sorry, you're fired. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my office. Like, why wasn't that why wasn't that call made? Surely somebody must have said, do you think it's real are we in violation of any kind of safety or fire code if we have hundreds of people fighting over balloons in a very small space in the middle of the mall in the middle of the night? Are we in is that legal? Can we do that? Nobody checked. Nobody cared. Nobody bothered. It's like, no, it'll just let nature take care of it. Anyone who survives gets a free packet of soap. It's great. What a promotion. Emma speaking with the affected customers, and we will continue to look into the circumstances of last night's incident. <laughs> the circumstances. I just didn't think it was very well planned. It was such a small space. The shopping centre's slogan for the event was shop till you drop. <laughs>
Yes. <laughs> Don't you love it when the universe smiles on you? Shop till you drop. Absolutely fantastic. And I don't care who I don't care who we have to knock over. I don't care who we have to drop. Men, women, children, Santa, get the fuck out of my way. Get the fuck out of my way, you big red fat fuck. I'm getting that $20 gift voucher. Whether it kills me or not. Get down, Jimmy. Mum, don't leave me. Shut up. <laughs> Jimmy, quick, take that balloon. Or you don't get any presents. Get the fuck out of my way. Merry fucking Christmas, motherfuckers. <laughs> Just, we're sick. People in other parts of the world must look at stuff like this and go, the West is ripe for the taking. Look at them. They're animals. <laughs> We like to mock other cultures, don't we? We like to look at other cultures and say, wow, these what these people do is insane. And then we do stuff like this and we go, well, it's f- well they're giving away free shit. What do you expect? Knock, knock Santa on his ass to get the free gift voucher. Who cares? Women and children go in a hospital. It's all worth it. Merry fucking Christmas. What a tremendous turn of events. Uh... Here's something for you. I thought this was fun. Uh, if you want to hate old people, by the way, just a quick reminder, if you'd like to leave a tip for the show, streamlabs.com slash boogie bumper, text to speech or share some media. It's up to you if you like. Who wants to hate old people? <laughs> Painter falls off ladder after angry pensioner shakes it for getting in his way. You know how they say respect your elders? You know how they say be nice to old people. I, I'm generally nice to people. I'm pretty. I'm pretty nice to everybody. Uh, this guy, this guy, I'm not so sure about. Have a look at this. Check out this old dude. Okay, so he's in a wheelchair. He goes up to a ladder on the side of the road and just he just grabs it and starts shaking it. We don't know who's up at the top of the ladder at this point. Starts shaking his ladder. Come on, come on. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with people? Look at this guy. Let's show, let's show the video once again. Old dude in a wheelchair. Shakes this ladder. It's got to be like a 20-foot ladder, 30-foot ladder. And then the painter comes crashing down to the pavement. Wow. That'll show that young whippersnapper for getting in my way. What an old, what an old bastard. Like you've heard of angry old people before, but what the fuck, man? You just, you just feel, if you saw that happening, you'd, you would just feel like going up to the guy in the wheelchair and just flipping him out of the wheelchair and saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? You crazy old kook. You nearly, you could have killed that guy. Tracy says people can't control their tempers anymore. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we put we put gift vouchers in balloons and people will tear each other apart, send each other to hospital, women and children. A guy is painting a, a shop on the side of the road. An old fella in a wheelchair 
who thinks that the, the, the ladder is in his way, he can't get around it. Instead of, you know, finding a solution or asking for somebody's help, hey, sorry, can I, I know it's a pain in the ass. Is there any way that you could, like, take me around the ladder? Sorry, I, I need to get around the ladder. Sorry about that. Even calling out to the guy, sir, sorry, I know you're busy. I can't, I can't get past. Can you please come down and move the ladder for a moment so I can get past? Instead oh, of doing me. that. I'm rambling again. This is why we send our old people away. Thank you, Andrew Jackson's Taint Tip, three bucks. There you go. That's how it works. Thank you, Pinochet. <laughs> this is why we send our old people away. <coughs> I remember when I was younger, <coughs> listening to a radio show, and they were saying that the Eskimos in the Eskimo societies, do you know what they do with old people in Eskimos in the Eskimo societies? They put, once an old person has outlived their usefulness to the tribe, Apparently, it's a very beautiful thing. It's an honour to have this happen to you. They put them on a chunk of ice in a river and just let them float away. (laughs) Maybe this is something we need to look at. (laughs) It's like, okay, say goodbye to Grandad now. Bye, Grandad. And he just floats off down the river, never to be seen again. (laughs) It's beautiful, isn't it? But yeah, this this angry guy. And it, I, it goes to show, doesn't it? It's like, it doesn't matter how old, how young or how old. Everybody's turning into an asshole. Everybody. I don't know. There you go. Angry old man yells at painter. All right. Let's get to, let's get to the Iraq stuff. Like I said, if you missed uh, Trust and Verify last night, you want to check it out. Myself and James having a discussion, a debate about the recent military action in Iraq. I came across this earlier and I wanted to share it, first of all, because of the expression on this guy's face. Why is it that so many of these on-the-ground reporters look look caught completely off guard when the camera goes to them? (gasps) Uh, uh, Yes. So let's see how British TV is reporting the current happenings over there in Iraq after the uh, military action given the green light by President Donald Trump. Matt, this is the most deliberately drawn out funeral imaginable. I beg to differ. Are we forgetting already the funeral of John McCain? Hmm? Hmm? I think John McCain's funeral was drawn out. Didn't that go? For, didn't he go on like a two-week Rolling Stone-style city-to-city tour with an open casket? Everybody, come and look at John. Come and check out John McCain. He's there. He's stiff. He's ready to go. Matt, this is the most deliberately drawn-out funeral imaginable. This this is the most deliberately drawn-out funeral imaginable. How? You know, I don't have many redeeming qualities. I'll admit that. I put my hand up. You know, there's a lot of stuff about me that's not, doesn't make me a good person, doesn't make me a nice guy. You know, I'm not particularly attractive. You know, I don't have a lot of star quality. But one thing that is okay is my voice. I think my voice isn't too bad. I I generally get complimented on it. Boogie's got a nice voice. Thank you very much. How do these guys get these jobs? Yes, reporting live from Beirut. 
This is the longest, well drawn out funeral ever imaginable. It's it's like it's like ripping the nails off a cat, and whilst the cat is squealing, taking those nails and running them down a chalkboard. You know what I mean? Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> How do these guys get these gigs, man? Do, do you have to know somebody? It's like, okay, you look like a disheveled uh, drunk at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. You're, you're caught off guard when we go to you for your live report. Uh, let's, hear you, let's hear you speak. How about a little audition for the job? Well, thank you. We're here at Beirut where the bombs... Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, you got the gig, man. Just get the hell out of here. Can't listen to this. <laughs> Qasim Soleimani's body Kasim taken Soleimani. from Baghdad to Baghdad. two holy cities in Iraq and then on to two cities in Iran, including Tehran, where the supreme leader Ayatollah Khamenei... It's the, it's the Soleimani death tour. ...they will preside over prayers before Soleimani's coffin is finally taken to his hometown for burial on Tuesday. All this designed to demonstrate sheer... See, it's only like three days. John McCain's funeral went for two weeks. <laughs> Savages. <laughs> well, you can't keep him going for three weeks. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Not getting any deader. A unity amid more calls for retaliation from inside Iran itself. The funeral of Iran. Nice helmet, bro. His most powerful general began tellingly not in his home. The redcoats, the redcoats are back. Woo! Country, but with an honor guard by Iraqi paramilitaries on the streets of Baghdad. Death to America, death to Israel, they chanted in their. Death to America, death to Israel. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. People have been sharing these videos all day of people chanting death to America. I'm like, how is this different to Berkeley campus? <laughs> What's the difference here? They're just chanting it in a different language. Don't worry. Give it, give it long enough. Give it another 20 years and they'll be chanting death to America on Berkeley campus in Spanish anyway. So I don't know why you worried. <laughs> don't get too upset about this. Every, everybody's chanting death to America these days. It's the new cool hip thing to do. All the kids are doing it. Tens of thousands mourning. Tens of, tens of thousands of mourners. Iraqi militia leader killed in the same airstrike. As dozens of American oil workers began leaving Iraq, its Prime Minister Adel Abdul Mahdi, in the flat cap here, made a point of walking among the crowd. If the, the, the Brian Mike's bag says Brian Stelter School of Projecting the Voice. Iraqi Parliament votes to expel American troops then Donald Trump may have sharply reduced U.S. influence here. May have sharply reduced Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. And so the question remains, was this drone strike early yesterday without consulting Congress or key allies worth the consequences? In Tehran, all the talk is of revenge for Qasem Soleimani's assassination. I'm not going to go over old ground. We discussed this kind of stuff last night and trust to verify with James. So if you want to check it out, check it out. Was it worth... See, this is the thing. There's always like unintended consequences of flow-ons. But I'm not talking about the revenge stuff. Because for me, there's always going to be these kinds of threats. Like, it doesn't matter who you kill or don't kill. 
there's always going to be anger. But what I don't like is the arguments that are presented. You know what I mean? So so we need to we need to do this in order to ensure American influence in the region. And it's like, okay, what if they now kick you out? How is that ensuring American influence? And then the story changes. Then it becomes something else. Oh, well, we had to get rid of a terrorist. I'm like, yeah, okay. So you had to get rid of a terrorist. Um, see, this is the other thing too, and I've been accused of being a terrorist sympathizer and all of this shit, I, which personally doesn't worry me. I, I kind of laugh about it. I don't really care. But does am, am I the only one that, you know, sees the, an issue here? Right, so what we used to do with generals in armies, if they were accused of war crimes, is you know, see this is the other thing too. People want to say we're at war and not at war at the same time. Oh, the war on terror. It's like okay, so we can just we can put people on a terrorist list and then we can go to war with them. But we're not declaring war on countries. We're declaring war on an idea. Now, I forget which movie it was, but you can't kill an idea, right? How do you declare a war on an idea? So we get around that. There's a loophole. So we don't declare war on the countries themselves. We declare a war on the ideas that certain people in these countries have. And then they act out on those ideas with those actions, right? With terrorist actions. Okay, fair enough. So we put people on a terror list and then we can knock them out. But does anybody else see a potential problem on the horizon? That being, we used to take like generals and, you know, capture them if they were accused of war crimes and put them in front of the Hague and try them. And we didn't do that because we're cowards. We didn't do that because we're afraid. We didn't do that because we were on the side of the terrorists. We did that because we had a natural distrust of government in so much as we didn't just, we didn't trust them enough to arbitrarily dish out justice on our behalf, right? You know, somebody shared a meme with me the other day and it was like, you know, conservative reactions so it's like we want to send your kids we want to take out give us your schools absolutely not i don't trust the government to educate my child who knows what you want to do give us your guns fuck you i don't trust the government enough to take my guns give us your money fuck you i don't trust the government enough to spend my money you don't know what's best give us your health care fuck you i don't trust the government enough to decide what kind of hospital i should have i don't trust the government enough to decide my health care for me and it's like, uh, go to war for us. It's like, hell yeah, fuck yeah, brother. I trust the government completely. <laughs> you know what I mean? So whatever point I bring up, it just the, the story just changes. We change the reason. And again, you can you can call me, you can accuse me of being a coward. Like, there would be some political uh, stances that I would take that would be to the right of you. That would be more hardline than yours. Oh, look at me. I'm rambling again. <laughs> General Eaton tipped a dollar and said, a $1,000 tip. Wow, thank you, General.
<laughs> you idiot. <laughs> so you know what I mean? So it's it's not about being cowardly. It's not about defending terrorists and stuff. It's about defending who we are. Because there's a reason that we have previously not trusted government to arbitrarily dish out justice on our behalf. Because at some point, that may come back to hurt us. But we don't even care about that now. In fact, if you if you even mention something like this, you'll be accused of being a terrorist. And it's like, am I the only one that sees what's happening here? You must be in favour of the government blowing up blowing up uh, generals in foreign armies as revenge, as justice. Otherwise, you're you're a coward. Okay, I'm the coward. What's so fucking brave about sitting there on Twitter posting American flags and celebrating launching missiles from far away? You're not killing the guy face to face. You aren't on Twitter. You calling other people cowards are not doing it. You're not doing shit. You're sitting on your ass and clapping. That's what you're doing, brave soul. It's not like medieval face-to-face combat with, like, swords and shields here. Where the hell do you get off calling anybody a coward? It's, it's, like, I, it's like I bomb the embassy just for asking these questions, right? So it makes me laugh. I'm like, fuck the... F- <laughs> I'm a coward? Okay, fuck you, shithead. <laughs> I don't care what you think. But if if we're no longer allowed to ask these questions, that for me, that's the problem, right? That's the issue. Because I think in a room full of people where everybody just agrees, if nobody's putting the point out there that says, hang on a minute, um, I, uh, you know, aren't we the people that like believe in justices? And you can say, well, oh, we're at war. It's like, okay, yeah, but you're not considering the loophole here. See, if we were at war, then I would say, yeah, okay, fine. You've, you've knocked out one of the uh, opposing army's generals. But because we're at a, on a war with terror, <clears throat> we're allowed to bomb, you know, countries. And if they retaliate, it's on, it's on them, right? You know, and I understand the, the preludes and stuff. I'm not talking about that. We're supposed to be the West. We're supposed to be the guys who, you know, respect law and order and justice and all of that stuff. So I don't know. It just irks me. And I never thought it would. You know, five, ten years ago, I was probably more in line with, yeah, just fucking bomb them all. Who cares? But I I, I see the justifications for it. I'm like, man, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. It's like, if you want to kill generals in armies, declare war on that country. If you want to kill people from the government of a particular country, declare war on that country. What we do with the war on terror is we are in a state of perpetual war. 
We are at war 24 hours a day on every in every theatre on planet Earth, but we just don't say it, right? And the other thing, if you declare a war on a country, you can end, like, the war has an end point. When that country is defeated, when you take the capital, then you, you win, right? It's game over. With the war on terror, there is no end. There is no end point. It will go on forever. Two weeks ago, Congress ramped up the Patriot Act. Two weeks ago. Remember the Patriot Act that everybody was so upset about? That everybody was so angry about? Now we're cheering. Now we're applauding. Thank you. Thank you for protecting us. Nobody cares. Whatever. A fellow Revolutionary Guard commander appeared to threaten shipping through the Straits of Hormuz. Threaten shipping through the Straits of Hormuz. Claiming that 35 American targets plus Tel Aviv had long been considered. This morning, President Rouhani told the General's family that the Americans would see the consequences for years to come. Soleimani's daughter, Zainab, asked him who would seek revenge, as her own father would have done. Everyone will get revenge for the martyr's blood. No, they won't. Iran's president told her, don't... <laughs> Winning TV, coming soon, Boogie and Greta on their far-left tour. <laughs> I'm not getting on a sailboat, are you kidding me? Don't you worry about that. In truth, Iran can't afford a full-blown war, and that is President Trump's enormous gamble, that the revolutionary regime's fear will get the better of its humiliation. In Florida last night, the president claimed Soleimani was plotting imminent attacks on American soldiers and diplomats, even as some of his officials briefed that... See, this is the other thing. So, <clears throat> again, call me a soft cock, call me a coward, call me whatever you want. I don't particularly care. Uh, I don't see enough people putting this forward. Uh, let me, let me, you know, tell you this about myself. If somebody, because people are asking, well, what if they were doing it in Australia, Boogie? That's different. Uh, a couple of people have said stuff like, who gives a fuck what an Australian thinks? We, we do what we want. Who cares what an Australian? Hey, shithead. Before Afghanistan and Iraq, the Australian special forces went in before your guys. Do you, do you realize that? Do you understand that? Your government considers the Australian Special Forces to be the best desert fighters on planet Earth. Your government. Not us. You do. So before Afghanistan and before Iraq, guess who goes in first to clear space? Guess who goes in first to secure the ground? We do. And it's a bit of a joke because they say, we have to go in first to clear the area out before the Americans come in making fucking noise and blowing shit up and telling everybody that we're here. So the, the American government gets on the phone to the Australian government and says, we're going into Iraq, we're going into an, an, an Afghanistan, can you get your desert boys together? Can you get the uh, SAS together and get them in there to make sure that it's safe for us to land? No worries, sir. There's where a warrior girl's like, so? <laughs> so the point is... When people say, oh, who gives a fuck what an Australian thinks? The point is, whatever America does matters. You might not care what anybody else thinks, but everybody has to care what you think, right? Every, the rest of us have to care what America does. 
You don't have to care what we think about it. That's fine. That's your right. You don't have to worry about what we think. You don't have to worry about what happens to anybody else outside of America. But we don't have that luxury. We have to care what you do. Because what you do directly affects us, even if what you do, even if what uh, we say you don't give a fuck about. Fine. That's just the way it is. I'm not bitching about it. That's just the way it is. But I was just letting people know, again, that it's not just all about you, right? But again, you don't have to worry about it. Now, I've forgotten my fucking point here. <laughs> Let me go back. Oh, right. Okay. So here's the thing about me. Um, you can, again, you can call it cowardice or whatever. People say, well, what if this was happening in Australia? What if this? What if people were in Australia planning terrorist attacks on Australian targets? I would say the same thing. You go and you scoop them up, you arrest them, and you put them in front of a court and you try them for planning terrorist attacks. And if that's not possible, you don't just say, oh, well, we'll I guess we'll just kill them then. And it's not because... I'm, you know, against uh, bringing terrorists to justice. It's because I'm against the government making those kinds of decisions, right? Because I don't want to be walking down the street one day and be accused of planning a terrorist attack without having the ability because it's like, well, it's justice for us, but not for them, right? Fuck them. That's what I take issue with. I see it as like defending who we are, defending what we do. And instead it's like, nah, fuck it. Fuck it. And nobody cares. Nobody cares that this is what we do now. That we are in a state of undeclared war perpetually, not against nations, but against ideas and against individuals uh, 24 hours around the globe. And nobody cares that uh, any particular government can just say, uh, this person over here, blow them up. And when, if you ask questions about, hang on, sh like, shouldn't we have like a trial or something or shouldn't, you know, isn't justice about more than just blowing people up in a state of undeclared war, you get accused of being just as bad as the person that was killed. Nobody's saying they're not bad guys. I'm just saying I don't trust the government to that extent. Sorry, I guess I'm a fucking communist then. I guess I'm a terrorist, right? Florida last night, the president claimed Soleimani was plotting imminent attacks on American soldiers and diplomats, even as some of his officials briefed that evidence for that imminence was razor thin. I don't know if you know what was happening, but he was planning a very major attack and we got him. We do not seek war. We do not seek nation building. See, like, even that, we got him. It just brings back all of the memories from 2003, 2004 with George W. Bush. You know what I mean? We're on a mission from God. We got him. Right? I'm seeing the same patterns again. And it's like we're in a state of collective amnesia. We're either in a state of collective amnesia or people are saying, no, 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 you don't get it. It's different this time. Why? Because you like Donald Trump? Because you trust Donald Trump more than you trusted the other guys? See, people say, you don't have the information that Donald Trump has, so you can't possibly know. 
he's the president. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get that. True. Uh, Barack Obama had more information than you. How do you, oh, but you knew more than him because he's an idiot, right? Because you don't trust him. Therefore, that rule doesn't apply there. Oh, look at me. I'm rambling again. But we should trust the intelligence agencies that we hated five days ago. <laughs> we you Exactly. Exactly, Pinochet. I've made that point as well. Wait, so the uh, the Pentagon and the intelligence community that we didn't trust last week, now it's like, don't question them, you communist, you terrorist. All the information is good. <laughs> like the, the kind of mental divergence you have to get into a state in order to go along with it at this point, I, I find fascinating. I, I really am sitting back out going, oh, okay. So, so yeah, like Poppy Lane in the chat. Yes, Obama is an idiot. All Democrats are. But, but that's. But you see my point, though, right? We say that Don, this guy, Donald Trump, has more information, so we have to trust. Like we have to go along with it because we trust him. We like him. He's a good guy. He's one of ours. He's one of us. So he has more information. That means we need to trust what he says, because he's the president. But it's like the last president had more information than what we could possibly know. But we don't trust him. We know more than him. Fuck him. He was wrong. It's like, do you do you see the rod you make for your own back when we get into this good guy, bad guy, trust, don't trust stuff? The same conditions applied with previous presidents. Previous presidents had access to classified information as well. But, you know, through the prism of looking through history, we have decided that we knew better than them. But now for, for Donald Trump, we've decided that we don't know better and we should just agree. And, you know, that's, for me, that's a problem. I would never, do, I wouldn't do that to any politician. They have too much power to get that luxury. The government is too powerful to just hand them that belief. I don't care who it is. The, the 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 state like the 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 default position should be no you don't deserve trust you are too powerful to have trust the whole reason why we if we didn't if we were to trust uh, the government then we wouldn't even bother having elections we wouldn't even bother having discussions we would just say make him ruler for life because we trust him. But we don't do that. That's not the system. The system itself is designed on the basis that you will not trust the people in power. That's what it's for. It doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution that you need to trust the president. In fact, the Constitution is written on the basis that you do not trust the president. All of the rules and all of the protocols are designed to limit power because it's your job to be sceptical. I forget, I forget which founding father said it, but it said something along the lines of an effective government can only uh, be in place when the population is sceptical and educated, right? Something like that. I'm probably butchering the quote. So that's where you start. You be sceptical and pay attention. And saying, well, we don't know enough, so I just trust the guy. That's not part of the deal, man. That doesn't enter into the equation for me.
You can. You can, tr- you can trust uh, any politician you want. You can trust the government as much as you want, but I don't have to. And if you want to call me some kind of traitor or a piece of shit or a communist or a coward for not doing that, then so be it. I will take that insult with pride. Because the next time you get disappointed by somebody you trust, I'm going to be there saying, what the fuck did you expect? Slap you on the forehead. Wake up. This is, this is the system. We do not seek regime change, but as president, I will never hesitate to defend the safety of the American people. You. Naked electioneering, yes, but at the expense... Naked electioneering, yes. <laughs> ...of already fraying alliances. America's Secretary of State making no secret of bitter disagreement. Frankly, the Europeans haven't been as helpful as I wish that they could be. The Brits, the French, the Germans all need to understand that what we did, what the Americans did, saved lives in Europe as well. Now, now it's expanding even more. It sounds like we've just killed Lex fucking Luther. You know what I mean? This guy wasn't only plotting, uh, you know, explosive devices in Baghdad, ladies and gentlemen. This guy wasn't only uh, hitting embassies in Iraq. He was also planning terrorist attacks in the United States. He was also paying off Mexican drug cartels. He was also planning stuff in Europe. It's like, this is the, this is the world's supervillain. And f- five days ago, you didn't even know his fucking name. None of you did. Nobody knew his name. <coughs> it's it's like it's like a fucking Marvel movie. Qasem Soleimani led and his IRGC led assassination campaigns in Europe. Uh, this was a good thing for the entire world. This might suggest otherwise. <laughs> in the holy Iranian city of Qom, the dead general's photograph accompanied a red flag. Can I can I um can I raise a point of privilege here? How long is it going to be before television stations in Iran and Iraq and other countries get HD cameras? Why is the footage always this 720? It's like, <laughs> why is the footage always like this early 90s VHS level? You know what I mean? To the like, top let's, of the- let's get a nice HD camera in there for fuck's sake. You have money. We know that. We've heard about the oil fields. We know you can afford a new fucking camera, bro. Like, bring yourself... Maybe uh, maybe this is the way to the hearts of the people in the West. The people in the West are consumed with celebrity and popular... Like, we saw the red carpet shit just earlier. Maybe this... If you looked a little more modern, maybe people wouldn't say that you're middle-aged savages, right? So get some HD cameras in there. Maybe do a little bit of redecorating. Maybe get some get some nice, uh, you know, some nice. What would you say? Some nice rendered walls on those old brick buildings. You know, build yourself a nice couple of towers. <laughs> Eight track pushes. <laughs> like, really, is it that hard to get a, a new camera on on scene on site? And the people of Iran are demanding an end to oppressive hijab rules 
They are demanding an end to the rule of Ayatollah Khomeini, and they are demanding HD cameras for their local news report. The mosque, in a traditional call upon all Shia to avenge the unjust spilling of blood, leaving us in no doubt that Iran will respond. The questions being, when and how? So, Jonathan, how seriously are we to take this threat issued by a general from the Revolutionary Guard in Iran that they can hit targets, 35 targets, in the United States? <clears throat> I think we'll leave it there. But another, another thing that's uh, amused me over the last five days, like, again, if you bring it up, you're a fucking arsehole. Um, for months and months and months and months, years and years and years and years, Iran is a serious threat. We need to deal with Iran. Iran is threatening the security of the entire world. If we don't do something about Iran, we're all going to die. Iran is a problem. We need to do something about Iran constantly, right? Every day. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Take out one general. One general. And now the story has completely reversed. Now it's like, ah, Iran's going to make threats. Who cares? Iran's not a threat to us. Iran's not going to do anything. Iran can't do anything. We can we can destroy them anytime we want. We can just launch all the missiles and take them all out. They're not even a problem. I don't even know why are people scared of Iran all of a sudden. Are, are you fucking brain dead? <laughs> Hello? Hello? People are legitimately saying to me, why are you scared of Iran all of a sudden? And it's like, I, I don't know, maybe because you've spent the last 10 years telling everybody that they should be? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Am I the only one that sees this happening? Seriously. We need to be careful about Iran. Iran is a very serious problem. Iran is a threat to everybody. Iran is threatening the lives of free people all across the Western world. Take out one general. Don't listen to Iran. Their threats are empty. They're not going to do anything. They can't hurt us. We could level the country anytime we want. Fuck them. <laughs> You're all fucking sick in the head. But, but take a story and pick, choose a story and stick with it. Either Iran is a problem and a threat and it needs to be dealt with or it's not. It can't be both things at the same time. <laughs> Thank you for Unbelievable. Coming. I'll see you in hell. It's as well as Tel Aviv and Israel. I think there is a gap between Iranian rhetoric and reality here. I just don't know how wide that gap is. This general, General Abu Hamza, said that Iran would punish Americans wherever they were in reach. But Iran is suffering hugely from American sanctions. And it was noticeable that President Rouhani today did not set a Rouhani. timeline or a time limit on when that revenge might take place. <laughs> Why would he? <laughs> it's, it's like the press is like the adult version of kids say the darndest things, you know. Reporters say the darndest things. Reporters say the darndest things. And President Rouhani has pledged revenge Although Rouhani has not set a time limit on when that revenge shall take place. Why would he? <laughs> we are pledging revenge for the attack against General Soleimani. We promise you we will revenge in no later than two weeks from now. Can we make an appointment? Okay. Wednesday, 3 p.m. On, on the 17th of January, we will plan revenge on the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Rouhani has not made an appointment for his death to an America revenge tour. 
Uh, this is very inconvenient for those of us in the press who need to book our hotel stays in advance. That said, uh, a rocket landed near the American embassy in Baghdad this evening, causing no casualties. No casualties. And there will be calls for a, a tougher response. American intelligence intercepts within the last 24 hours reportedly reveal that the Iranians have been talking about cyber attacks. Uh, Lucifer Sam in the chat says the biggest threat, uh, the biggest nightmare to the elites is Iranians selling their own oil. Could be. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's more than one. But you do bring up an interesting point and something that I miss. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna debate James by proxy, you know, because that wouldn't be fair to him. But it was something I was thinking about last night after I listened back to the discussion I had with James. And it was about the oil and uh the argument that, well, we're not taking the oil, we're just stopping other people from getting it. And I realized, well, it's kind of the same thing. You, you don't believe me? Think about this. The fact that we are stopping more oil getting to the marketplace keeps our oil price high, right? We don't have to take it. Stopping somebody else from selling it makes us money. Do you see what I'm saying here? So if there's two, if there's two shops, right, there's two shops in a street and we both sell orange juice with maggots in it. Thank you, Jeremy Corbyn. So there's two shops and we both sell orange juice. We have we both have an orange Julia stand. And I'm selling orange juice and the guy down the road selling orange juice. So there's 100 cartons per hour of orange juice going out there. Which means the price of orange juice has to be at a certain level because if I put my price up too high, everybody will go to him and buy his orange juice. Competition, right? So if I put picket signs out the front of his orange juice stand <clears throat> to stop him from getting to his orange juice stand, I don't have to steal the orange juice. But I've now taken 50% of the orange juice off the street and I can charge whatever the hell I want because you have to get it from me. Right? I don't have to take his orange juice. I just have to stop him from selling it. It's the same thing. I still make money off that. I don't have to steal it. I just have to stop him from selling it and I make more money because my orange juice is the only stuff out there. So I think the, the claim that, oh, we don't have to take the oil, we just have to stop the bad guys from getting it is a little disingenuous because stopping other people from selling it makes us money, right? And there's also the added advantage of if we stop other people from getting it, then we don't want it now. We might not want it now. But next time there's some kind of economic event, next time there's some kind of economic crash, maybe we'll need to reduce the price of oil. We can just take it then and put more oil on the market. We can flood it on the market and drop the price per barrel. We can have that leverage as long as somebody else doesn't own it, right? So we don't have to steal it. We don't have to you know, load it up in barrels and bring it back to the West. We just have to stop somebody else from selling it. Then we can control the price of fuel. Pretty basic stuff, I would have thought. Attacks, attacks on American personnel across the Middle East. But I think it is important to stress that neither the Americans nor the Iranians really want this to escalate into a full-scale war. Full-scale war. Rugman, thank you very much indeed. It's like British Jordan Peterson, isn't it? And then, and then President Donald Trump said to Mr. Hurani, Rouhani, why don't you clean up your room, bucko? <laughs> There you have it. 
All right. How long have we been going? Uh, oh, shit. We've been going for a while. Tell you what. One more story here, ladies and gentlemen, to take us out on a high note. Thank you for joining us. You are on the Daily Boogie. Here's a fun one for you. Saw this floating around earlier today. This blew my mind. I could not believe this. I, 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 I saw this and I said, this, this cannot be real. This has to be satire, right? Don't you love that we're now in a stage of progress that we can't tell the difference between satire and reality anymore? You know what I mean? We just don't know. We read something that somebody really believes in and we think that they're joking. Oh, don't worry. I won't forget about the chest. I'll, I'll do this one more story and then we'll get the hell out of here. At the risk of sounding like a sycophant, thank goodness there are right-wingers like Boogie willing to take a principled stance. Kissy hearts. <laughs> Kissy hearts to you too. <clears throat> of course, now, Pinochet, you have now also been labelled a terrorist sympathiser, so unfortunately for you, uh, your popularity with the flag wavers is not going to, you know increase as a result of the kissy hearts that you're giving me, but I appreciate it nonetheless. The whiteness of Toy Story 4, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Ron Peterson says, oil prices have been in the tank for years. What are you talking about? Ron, I'd love to tell you, or you could just go back and watch the last 10 minutes. I know that you just came in here. I know that you just came in and started asking questions, like, like hearing half of a conversation. So you can go back and watch it, but I'm not going to repeat it. It's not just, I mean, you already accused me of selling Russian oranges just as the first thing you said when you walked in, so why would I care what you think? It's not just the absence of people of colour in the Pixar film that's bothersome, it's the absence of anything approximating life in America as most know it. <laughs> do you, you, do you realise what they're talking about here? L listen to this again. It's not just the near absence of people of colour. First of all, the main characters aren't people. <laughs> it's a picture of a spoon. <laughs> Why can't we have more spoons of colour? It's the absence of anything approximating life in America as most. So are we forgetting the whole child fantasy genre here? Hello? Do you know what planet you're on? Do you know where you are? You're writing an article about a fantasy universe where toys come to life and talk to each other and have adventures. You say it doesn't uh, it doesn't display... It, it's the absence of anything approximating life in America as most know it? No shit, Sherlock! Most people are not magical toys who dance around and sing songs and get into adventures. What a revelation. This must have been like a fucking, this must have been a massive reveal moment for this author. It's like I'm sitting here and I'm watching Toy Story 4 and then all of a sudden it dawns on me. I don't think this is real. <laughs> I can't believe this is... I can't believe this is real. <laughs> Was there any movie this past year as exuberantly entertaining and creatively, creatively conceived as Toy Story 4? Ever since the franchise was launched in 1995, it's been a cornucopia of riches... 
from its indelible characters to its unparalleled animation. There are sequences of dazzling dexterity, from Woody's rescue of a miniature car before it's swept away as floods as rains flood a street, to the darkest and most inventive part of the film, when a ventriloquist dummy is joined by a veritable spawn of such creatures, threatening our heroes with the same sinister force that the magic brooms brought to the sorcerer's apprentice. <laughs> the picture which seems to a lock for best animated feature at this Sunday's Golden Globes and probably the Oscars too, left me in awe. So they actually enjoyed the film, which is nice to know. So why did a slightly... Oh, bit... I'm rambling again. Thank you, Finishay. We've officially run out of things to be outraged about. Mm. Peak nothingness. Absolutely. That, but See, I get your point and I agree with you, but this this shows that we can never run out of things. You know what I mean? This, this proves that we can never run out of things to be outraged about. There's always going to be something to be outraged about. This is the point I've made to, you know, the outrage slash, you know, progressive side for years now. Because they try to tell you, well, if we just fix this one thing, then everything will be okay. You know what I mean? If we just fix this one little problem, then all of a sudden everybody's going to be happy. And it's complete bullshit. Because all you're doing is feeding the beast, you know what I mean? Every time you yield, every time you placate them, every time you change something to placate the outrage, you're just encouraging more outrage. You know, I've made this analogy before. It's like firing a nuke into the sun and thinking that you're going to blow it up. Right? Oh, we just need more bombs. We just need a bigger nuke. But all you're doing is adding to the combustion. It's only getting bigger. It's only getting stronger. <laughs> because in many ways, TS4's worldview seems like an... Uh, <laughs> wait to hear this. In many ways, this is, this is why the author had uh, a bitter taste after watching this magical movie that's going to win Golden Globes and Oscars, apparently. I haven't seen it. Maybe I should. Maybe this will become like the new white power propaganda film of the 2020s. Because in many ways, TS4's worldview seems like an Eisenhower era fantasy. A vision of America that might have come from the most diehard reactionary. If, lovely if you're wealthy and white, but alarming if you're black or brown or gay or a member of any other minority in other words, more than half the U.S. population. <laughs> uh, coming, coming to cinemas soon in Toy Story 5 in the Eisenhower era fantasy film series, uh, Woody and Buzz Lightyear embark on a project to rebuild Nazi Germany after World War II. <laughs> Coming up in Toy Story 5, Mr. Potato Head warns the American population about giving too much power to the military-industrial complex. <laughs> Eisenhower era. True, there are a few characters of colour, including two supporting... <laughs> I can't even fucking read this shit. There's some very sick individuals, ladies and gentlemen. 
true. There are a few characters of colour, including two supporting voices played by Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele, but each of the leads is Caucasian. Bom, bom, bom. And not just the franchise regulars, but a host of new ones, including a very white fork. That's this character here. This fucking white supremacist spork, ladies and gentlemen. Holy shit. Oh, no. (laughs) The plastic fork is a white guy. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. Thank you for the follow. That's among the more memorable and merchandisable creations of this fourth iteration of the series. As Matthew Cherry, the African-American director of animated short Hair Love, recently told The Hollywood Reporter, when you don't... This this is it. This is the extreme. When you don't see yourself represented and you don't see people with your same type of hair seen as the hero and seen as loving and desired, it really does a number on your self-confidence. You fucking maniac! I, I feel like I have to do the Woody, I have to do the Woody line from the first movie, right? This guy is complaining about not seeing himself represented in Toy Story. To steal a line from uh, Woody in the first Toy Story, ladies and gentlemen, you are a toy. You are a child's plaything. <laughs> These people are are nuts. Imagine not seeing yourself represented in a fantasy fictional universe where a talking spork is one of the main characters. Wow. (laughs) Here we go. Does he realize that I'm not there? No! Well, according to my Nava computer, Shut up! Shut up, you idiot! Sheriff, this is no time to panic. This is the perfect time to panic! I'm lost, Andy is gone, they're going to move from their house in two days and it's all your fault! My... my fault? If you hadn't pushed me out of the window in the first place... Oh, yeah! Well, if you hadn't shown up your stupid little cardboard spaceship and taken away everything that was important to me... Don't talk to me about importance. Because of you, the security of this entire universe is in jeopardy. What?! What are you talking about?! (laughs) Right now, poised at the edge of the galaxy, Emperor Zerg has been secretly building a weapon with the destructive capacity to annihilate an entire planet. This, this is literally the, the, the writers who are commenting on the story have now become the characters. He doesn't want to be represented. He, he, the, the, the guy, this director, who wants to be represented in movies like Toy Story, he doesn't realise that he already is represented in movies like Toy Story. You see, here's a character who is an unhinged lunatic who thinks he is more important than just being a toy. That's you, man. That's you. You're the guy. You are the unhinged lunatic that wants to be represented in Toy Story. Here's a guy in Toy Story who thinks he's saving the universe. That is you, brother. Congratulations. Woo. Yes. Finally, representation for the psychotically unhinged. It's about time, I hear you say. I alone have information that reveals this weapon's only weakness. 
And you, my friend, are responsible for delaying my rendezvous with Star Command. <laughs> you are a toy! You want the real Buzz Lightyear? You're, you're an action figure. There you go. <laughs> Congratulations, mate. You made it. You made it, buddy. Good job. Let's get back to our very serious discussion on too much whiteness in Toy Story. Nor is it just the near absence of people of colour that's bothersome. It's the absence of anything approximating life in America as we know it. TS4's main family lives in a big, brightly lit house in an ivory utopia. Yeah, they, sh yeah, they should have a Toy Story set in a fucking drug den. That would be nice for the kids, wouldn't it? <laughs> they should have a they should have a Toy Story set in the ghetto the ghettos of Johannesburg. Its daughter sleeps in a plush room packed with U.S. Treasury's worth of gizmos. They drive around in a gas guzzling RV, so they're also putting the wrong message out there about climate change. I'll have you know. Stopping for carnivals and carnies that would be right at home in the 1940s of 50s. Problems of prejudice, money, and unemployment never seem to cross anyone's mind. Can you imagine how much more engaging the Toy Story to uh, story would be, ladies and gentlemen, if the children sat around and talked about how the middle class is being taxed too heavily or how immigration policy needs an overhaul or perhaps maybe why we need a global climate uh, cap-and-trade scheme? I think the children would really love that. Perhaps... Perhaps the next Toy Story could have the children and the toys discussing this systemic oppression of minorities. You know, real stuff in this fantasy animated series. It, this is a vision of suburbia right out of George Clooney's Suburbicon. I'd expected no less in the days when John Lasseter was running Pixar with his rearguard view of an idealised past that was not only ideal if you weren't black or Hispanic or poor. Still, did nobody in the post-Lasseter era, either at Pixar or its parent company, the Walt Disney Co., those fascists, pipe up and say, hey, this has got to change. Pixar often repeated outmoded tropes with no visible awareness of doing so, and only occasionally has it gone the other way, as with 2017's Coco, never heard of it. Take 2006's Cars, its humour was based on all sorts of foreign stereotypes, inadvertently encouraging the anti-immigrant prejudice that's now running rampant through society, yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes, you heard that correctly. The 2006 Cars film, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the 2006 Cars film is encouraging anti... The, the very same, not some... The, the 2006 Cars film is encouraging the anti-immigrant sentiment that is running rampant in society today. Wow. Huh? I need to go back and re-watch Cars. At some point, the main character must turn to the Hispanic car and say, I'm sorry, you have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow.
Okay. This this article, along with the others, will be in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen, which I'll tweet out after the show when the podcast comes out. Nor did previous Toy Story films do much to advance the times. The original 1995 release was dominated by a white male cast with Annie Potts and Laurie, uh, Laurie Metcalf as the only lead women. Toy Story 2 increased its female quotient but still had all white leads and Whoopi Goldberg as the octopus stretch was the only notable person of colour in 2010's Toy Story 3. Pixar isn't the sole culprit of course. Animation has long been a white male preserve that has only slowly welcomed change and begun to recruit talent that doesn't fit its established norms. (laughs) I can't believe this. (laughs) <laughs> now a new generation of animators see that's that's obviously garbage i remember um was it like in the late 90s uh the simpsons took all of their animation and took it to korea koreans have been drawing the simpsons for the last 20 years <laughs> look at all the white men in here Now, a new generation of animators is showing what can happen when they get a shot, as well as we all discovered with 2018 Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and some of the better recent contenders for Oscars on uh, animated short. This is part of a broader industry problem too, as a January 2 report from the USC Annenberg Inclusion made it clear when it noted that the participation of underrepresented directors in feature films had dropped 21%. To, from 21% to 16.8% in 2019. At least Pixar knows it needs to change. Say, don't you love like the assumed truth here? Pixar knows that it needs to change. And But at the start of the story, she said, it's probably going to, I assume it's a she. I could be wrong here. No, it's a guy. Pardon me, Stephen Galloway. Apologies for misgendering you. I just assumed. <laughs> I guess I'm the asshole here. <laughs> so in the start of the article, Stephen says that this is probably going to win an Oscar for best animated film. But this guy knows the knows that the system, the formula for Toy Story needs to change. Needs to. Has to. Must change. Gotta change. Even though it's winning Oscars. <laughs> Here's here's where the reality of the here's where the reality of the piece comes through. This is where we get to the real stuff here. Listen to this. This is the guilt, right? If you're white and middle class as I am, ah, dun dun dun. Some of that good old fashioned white guilt. If you drive a nice car and have a safe job, all this may seem moot. But if you're not the five-year-old African-American girl a friend of mine recently adopted, see, see, now you have to bask in the reflected virtue of your friend and the people around you. Well, I'm a nice guy because my friend adopted a five-year-old African-American girl. So I know, I know implicitly the struggles of minorities of the United States. This, this is the way these people think. You know, if you're a five-year-old African-American girl, just like the one that my friend adopted, you know, we meet at the cafe often and talk about this, the oppression. You know, it's just not good enough. Pixar needs to change. If you're a white middle class, if you're white middle class as I am, if you drive a nice car and have a safe job, all this may seem moot. 
but if you're but not if you're the five-year-old african-american girl a friend of mine recently adopted i was about to give her toy story 4 but i changed my mind because it sends the worst sort of message for a child like her <laughs> the worst possible message for a child like her can can you see that that dripping that's that's that to me to me that's supremacy right there if you're looking for white supremacy that's what it looks like you know this 5-year-old african american girl that my friend adopted i was going to give her this movie but i decided on her behalf that it's the worst possible message for a child like her there's your white supremacy folks and the bigotry of low expectation because you're better. You know better. You're more enlightened. You couldn't possibly saddle this poor young black girl with the horrors of Toy Story 4. No, you had to step in. You had to step in and protect her from this horrible message, didn't you? Because you're brave and enlightened and highly intelligent. You know what's best for the little black girls, don't you, sir? God bless you. Thank you so much for doing the right thing. Little girls like her, they don't know. They don't know any better. It's up to white middle-class men like me to show the little black girls what life is all about. That's why I couldn't give her Toy Story 4. Because I have decided that it's the worst possible message someone like her could ever see. Want to see it again? But not if you're the five-year-old African-American girl a friend of mine recently adopted. I was about to give her Toy Story 4, but I changed my mind because it sends the worst sort of message for a child like her. You're an outsider, kept at a distance from everything fuzzy and fun in American life. You're keeping her at a distance, you, you fucking imbecile. <laughs> I was going to give her this movie to watch, which I think is brilliant and will win an Oscar, but I'm keeping it from her because the message about the world is white people will keep fun things from you. This movie sends a message that you're an outsider and you can't have fun things. That's why I'm not sharing this fun thing with you because you're a people like you. Because you're a black girl, I'm not giving you this movie. This movie says that you're an outsider that can't have fun things when he is literally doing it. When he is the middle-class white guy, he is treating her like an outsider by not sharing this movie because she's black to teach her a lesson that the world keeps bad things away from her. What a fucking psycho. You people are sick in the head. You truly are. You are certifiable. <laughs> what horrible people. And, 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 you, and you think that like you're in the majority here? No, 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 no. No, everybody else hates you. Everybody else is laughing at you. The other people in your office may have ticked this story off. The other people that you sit around and have little conversations with may agree with you, but it is a shrinking island, comrade. Even your former comrades now look at people like you and say, what the fuck is wrong with these people? 
What the hell is wrong with you, bro? Just let the kid watch the movie. You're a sick man. You need help. Perhaps by the time she sees Toy Story 5, whenever that is, will have moved on, will have reached the end of this make-believe uh, homogeneity and this racism by exclusion, he's literally excluding her from watching a movie and he's accusing the movie of racism by exclusion. It, it is fucking insane. That's no less pernicious than the real thing. Hopefully by the time Toy Story 5 comes out, I will know, <laughs> hopefully by the time Toy Story 5 comes out, there will be no more racism by inclusion. Until that day, I can't let the little black girls watch Toy Story. <laughs> Psychopaths. <laughs> very, very sick individuals, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. Uh, <laughs> this annoys Boogie more than I read. Now you're getting me. Now you're on, now you're understanding me. Ocean Nathan gets it, finally. There are a lot of things that annoy me more than Iran. <laughs> this is just one of them. <laughs> if you'd like to see more things that annoy me more than Iran, then do tune in tomorrow night. I, I promise 6pm I'll be on time tomorrow. Apologies for today. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to complain about the whiteness in Toy Story, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Uh, thank you to everybody who tipped, uh, left a tip during the stream on DLive. I will open the chest right now. And don't forget streamlabs.com slash Boogie Bumper. Thank you, Pinochet, for showing everybody how Streamlabs works. <laughs> I appreciate it. Otherwise, it would have been very embarrassing. It would have been a Jerry Maguire moment. So thank you so much for that. Uh, don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS, the Flying Hawaiian, otherwise known as Imperialist American Pig, as of last night on Trust to Verify. Uh, Chris McDonald, Chris MC44, who I think is live right now, uh, at YCensored underscore, and of course, UK Neil, uh, everybody else that we talk to on this show, Ducks Regents, one of the mods over on DLive. Follow everyone. Have a good time. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.